Eternal Dirtles is a podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and supporters like you. Come to our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and support us. Thanks. Stitcher Supplier is milling over three. Oh, good! Gacky, gack, gack. Sacrifice it to cabal therapy. Gack, gack, gack. You know who's delving graveyards? None other. So can both them creatures then? No mana spent, subdelver. Cast gack on a stack, gonna trample shit up. Eight, eight, don't play. True name shit out of luck. Ban hammer, did I stammer? RD done slipped up. We legacy in this necropolis is running them up. Black creatures, new features, straight up cashing the gap. Convoking, shit's broken, as a matter of fact. Your Karaka stops his nonsense in this moment for show. But this gacking's still gon' happen, your life totals no more. Opponent shrugging, they got nothing and conceding the game. It would serve y'all well to remember the name. Oh, gack, he attacked, coming back for some more. His format shakeup isn't ready to get gacked to the floor. What you doing? Stop the brewing and start casting the gack. In the red zone, they all tremble, cause they gonna get smacked. Oh, by the way, I got supplier and this hasty bug gas. Time to slip it, check the box, Dude. go enjoy some Shake Shack. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Golian. Nate, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, I can't complain. We've got a we've got a big couple of weeks uh, of content coming up, so I'm pretty excited, actually. Yep. Uh, I was at Eternal Weekend this past weekend, and we really had uh, I really had a great time um, and got to meet a lot of listeners, so thank you for saying hi if you did. Um, and even if you didn't, that's fine, but because we, you know, there was so much to talk about after Eternal Weekend, we're going to have a few shows with guests from that, starting with, um, I want to say, our my pseudo-teammate, though it's really just, we just all have the same shirt, uh, Brian Hockey. Brian, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So Brian lives in Austin, uh, where, with, near where I live, um, and we, uh, you know, play vintage together, and he was able to top four the vintage championships this year, which really makes all of the times that we've lost to you in the our, our local vintage tournaments seem a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been really dominating those this year. He he really has like he's he's soft pedaling it, but he won three of them this year. I I, I checked. It's actually four. Oh, it's actually four. Yeah, yeah. Four after of winning seven. after winning the the last year's Invitational in Vintage in our our uh, Romancing the Stones, which is what we call our Vintage Circuit. Um. So I mean, like, not that we didn't know you were great, because we clearly did, but it was still like, man. Like, it's awesome that it's not just because we all suck. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was it was really a great run, and, and congratulations on, on getting up there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about when you started playing Vintage? I know that you, you're a longtime Legacy player, at least 10 years, right? Yeah, I've been playing Legacy since as long as I can remember, like at least 10 years, probably like more like, 12 years um like i cut my teeth on on a website called magic league which was basically if you've played like cockatrice or something like that they used one of those programs and uh well outside the bounds of wizards official support like played you know like pretty competitive magic like there was there were there were tournament structure there were judges um people had ratings uh 
there's a couple other people that cut their teeth on that. Uh, Caleb Durward cut 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 his teeth there, and uh, PV. Um, they they are a little bit more successful than than I am. And that was was that all like because you're from Michigan originally? Is that all like upper Midwest people? No, or? no, that was actually. I mean, it was all through like IRC and stuff. So, yeah, it was pretty global, realistically. So that's like and uh, I did that because I was to buy magic cards. So that's like 2006, 2007. Yeah. So that's like uh, uh, 10th edition X. Uh, th- that during that era of of magic. Right, and that's really the last time I played vintage with any sort of regularity before moving down here a couple of years ago. So you picked it back up again, uh, like you know, um, like I said, we have our, our circuit down here, which is about like let's say 10 tournaments a year, um, you know, mostly vintage, a couple old school, and then an invitational, and it's really a lot of fun. I mean, I've talked about it on the cast before, but it's been it's a lot of fun to to play paper vintage, you know, at least once every couple of months, and and have like a real real stakes on the line in the form of bragging rights. Yeah, it, like the prizes are like only you know it's like a hundred percent payout, and we get when hundred percent payout is like two hundred bucks or something, so it's yeah. it's pretty low stakes. But people really want to win, um, especially when like last year the the prize for winning the invitational was a year of bragging rights, and I have utilize that prize to its fullest. <laughs> yeah. So how many did you how many did you win last year? How did you qualify for last year's invitational? Um so basically I was playing Legacy and they were like, you should come play vintage. And I was like, I don't have vintage cards. And they're like, well it's a hundred percent proxy. And I'm like, all right. And I went to the first one with like an oath list that I found on the internet and had just the worst time. Like oh three, like this deck is garbage. Like I, yeah. people would play like two creatures and then beat me down with the spirits that I had to give them to like play my cantrips um then i came to like the next one and i was like i'm not playing that like, give me a deck and they were like all right we'll give you land still and i was like that sounds fantastic and then i looked at it and only had two mocks in it and i was like if i'm gonna play vintage i want to play the vintage cards i don't play like legacy with like a couple lotus petals so um they handed me someone's paradoxical list like literally it had won like two weeks or two months prior or something like that, like one of the Romancing the Stones. And then I played that and like immediately loved the deck and thought it was absolutely incredible. And I won that tournament. And I didn't really win after that that season, but I came back for the Invitational and took that down. And then managed to win three of them this year. Uh, we played the first time. Actually, you'd already won your first one this year, so the second one you won was with that like – Singleton Esper Singleton? Oh, no, I didn't win with the the 64-card Singleton Esper pile I had. You beat Um, me. I I did top four with that, but I lost to someone playing, like, an actual deck. Um, So all three of the wins have been with Paradoxical? Everything everything has been with Paradoxical. It's it's the most fun you can have. It really is. It definitely is all the fun. It's a very vintage deck. (laughs) It's literally all the fun. Um, so I've known you as playing like the, the standard sort of, you know, white or black splashes. I think most of the times we played, that's why I was actually surprised one to learn that the rug paradoxical outcome deck existed and two that you found it. So had you been practicing that and I just missed it? Um, 
so people had kind of been splashing for Pyroblast. Uh, like the the white splash had gotten to a point where the only card anyone played, including myself, was was Mentor. And you know, like it's an incredible card, but like it's not the hardest thing in the world to replace. Like the deck functions without it. Uh, so I, we had tried that, and I had tried Mana Gorge or Hydra, but I hadn't tried Rug. Um, so the deck itself is a, a creation of Justin Gennari and, and I think Matt Murray. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, all right, well, I'll try that. Like grape shot seem like someone has shown me grape shot before. And I was like, that's terrible. <laughs> and then the second time I saw it, I was like, that seems like a pretty good magic card being able to kill some narsets and some collector oofs or whatever. Just like the failure mode of that card is like a lightning bolt, which is a lot better than the failure mode of tendrils. Or even Time Vault. Um, yeah. So so they kind of built the deck. Brian Koval saw it and liked it. I tried it out and didn't really like it at first. Um, I, and I was testing it. This, this is for, at this point, I'm testing for Eternal Weekend. And I was exclusively testing against Jess Guy Xerox. Like, to me, I, I was like, that's going to be the most prevalent deck in the room. Um, and, and it's because it's the best deck in the format. I don't think that's true now, but I think even a month ago it was. It's the best deck in the format, and and it crushes my deck, and my deck crushes everything else. So if I can beat that, but it crushes everything else except Dredge. But Dredge is, you know, you just put some cards in your sideboard. Yeah, right. And Dredge has been on the downtick ever since uh, the the Hogak restriction. The Grave Troll restriction. The grave Troll. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The Grave Troll restriction. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I still think Dredge is completely insane. Um, yeah. It's such a good deck. It's able to put so much disruption on you, and like it always has a fast clock. Like, but I don't know. It didn't really seem to put up that much results. We haven't seen like the top sixteen or anything. Like my final round opponent was playing Dredge. I think I'm guessing maybe... overall numbers for Dredge were just down, so that's not it's not making as many completions into into I the guess, higher. I mean, maybe it's. Worse. Yeah. I think I think the numbers are probably down because people perceived it as being yeah, worse. Exactly. I mean, it was obviously worse, but I there's also worse. more options for bizarre decks now, which might impact dredges. Also true. Yeah, all those fast bond decks and stuff. Yeah. So were you playing? You tested the rug deck. At, I tested uh, it. I didn't like it because they were just casting swords to plowshares, and that kind of. I mean, you saw what happened to Koval in the the finals or the the quarterfinals. Yeah. Um. Actually, didn't because I was playing in a side event, but um, well, I mean, he made a mana like he and I did the same thing in our matches, like just made a mana Gorger Hydra and tried to ride that to victory, except his opponent had Swords of Plowshares and mine had Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Um. So. So, but you decided to pick play it anyway, just after you warmed up to it, or? Well, I I got an Esper list that I was extremely happy with. Um, I was playing zero grape shots, zero tendrils. My kill was 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 time vault, and I also had zero keys in my 75. I just had three Sahili Sublime Artists there, which is I think was just fabulous card. Um, when that card is working well, it's like tapping your monastery mentor for mana, or 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 the the combo with time vault is is literally time stretch for zero mana. Um, but I took that in to the Thursday to try to pick up some buys. And I played against four rug decks, like two of which were Oath and two of which were like the control decks. And they just annihilated me. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get these guys with Mana Gorger Hydra. 
Yeah. <laughs> Bolt this. Yeah, it's a good it's a good play against Rug. Uh, it's almost impossible for them to beat it on the right, like if you exhaust each other's resources. Yeah, I so I had figured out how to beat the Jeskai matchup too, and and you'll love this. I had a Cabal Therapy in my main deck, and a Cabal Therapy in my sideboard, and I had an Ugin the Spirit Dragon in my sideboard, and two Arena Rectors. <laughs> Pretty good. And this was actually like they just had no counterplay for this. Like the only way they could interact with it is like Force of Will, and you just therapy the Force of Will away. And there's literally, almost literally no re way for them to beat an Ugin because you can just down tick and clear their board. But that was in the Esper deck. That was in the Esper deck. And I was very happy with that, but the Rug deck kind of didn't care. Yeah. Not only that, but if you if you perceived correctly that Rug was going to supplant Jeskai as the most popular sort of Xeroxy strategy, then you didn't have to worry about it as much. Right. Like the fact that they had a strip mine plan actually just kind of catch you down yeah so so you put it together and um think what were you seven and one in the swiss eight and one in the swiss eight and one in the swiss i lost my second round uh to a i mold a three and i had nearly won that game off of just like land mox merchant scroll for recall <laughs> uh, and then in game two, i had my opponent completely dead and i had a graph digger's cage and play he's playing oath and I cast Paradoxical Outcome, and I drew, like, five cards, and then I cast Snapcaster Mage, and I targeted my Paradoxical Outcome, and he reminded me that I did not pick up my Graph Digger's Cage. And he's a real nice guy. His name was Kevin Swan, and real nice guy. But it was like, so I, I punted that game from there yeah. uh, and lost the match. And I, when I put the cages in my deck, I, I knew that that would happen. Like, I knew I was going to lose a game to them because of that, and I was still uh -huh. did it anyway. Well, it happened. Um, so top eight, your first match was against the, uh, rug planeswalker deck. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about that deck? Like, what did you, I mean, how many times did you play it over the course of the day? Was that the first time? I played it or twice over the course of the day, but this was the first time I really got to see it do its thing. Prior to that, I had basically like had strong plays that with like force backup that they couldn't beat and just kind of killed them. Um, this was the first time I got to see that just how powerful Mystic Sanctuary is. Like uh, the the combo of of having that and having just a pile of planeswalkers and and Gosh is completely insane. Like I think it's I think it's easily the best deck in the format. And like I don't I, I don't even want to play Paradoxical anymore because of how good <laughs> that. Is. Well, now you don't. Yeah, now you have a new challenge to take on. Try and just dominate us with that. Um. But you did manage to pull it off, and you know that was a very it was that was a pretty um, I don't want to say swingy that's not the word but uh, I was a little I was a little nervous like everyone else in our group had gone to play old school at the uh, at the Elks Lodge and so I was the only one in the hall oh, wow. <laughs> yeah the Elks Lodge and um, I was the only one in the thing I was like oh man I kind of hope it's not like over here because uh, you know I was hoping to get at least advance and I remember. There was a wheel of fortune, and uh, that sort of carried you through. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, in game one, I I drew like a hundred cards. Storm was like twenty, and I just didn't really find any. I couldn't find a time walk, and I couldn't find a grape shot, which was really frustrating because either one of those would have instantly won the game. And then he went on to 
just like scalding tarn, you know, crack his scalding tarn to put ancestral on top of his library. And at this point, my hand is like just force of will. Um, and I decided he's got like one unknown card. And I decided to let this resolve, which is super questionable, but I, I decided to let it resolve because if the other card in his hand is time walk, I like lose immediately. Whereas if he's forced to like look through his spend a bunch of resources like looking for cards, we, we might be in a position where like he just doesn't find it or, or something. I, I, it, it was like the strange calculation, and I think it was maybe wrong, but at the time it, it made a lot of sense to me. But he did find everything he needed, and he needed to find a lot. He had to find Time Walk and Gush and, you know, and do that all in time to, like, take infinite turns and kill me. Yeah. Um, but you did manage to uh, get out of it and move on. Yes. Hold on, we're going to add Phil because Phil is in. And uh, let's just do that. I, I did go back and watch the coverage, um, and it's cool because Twitch has like the chat that's timestamped with the coverage. And you'd think that people would be like, "Why are they taking this line or that line?" But all of their questions were more like, "Why are they taking so long to shuffle?" And how dare he put his car, his graveyard, in the middle of the board where everyone can see it very easily? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Hey Phil. Hey, Phil. Phil, Phil's joined hey, us. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? Sorry, I got some feedback. I'm cutting it off. One second. All right. There right, we, we go. Hey, Phil. Welcome in. Hey, well, welcome, welcome you guys to the show. <laughs> uh, Phil, we're talking to my friend Brian, who top four uh, the Vintage Championship. Yeah, dude, I, I saw the, the the masterful Vintage play. I was watching. Uh, I saw the, the uh, top eight matches. It looked like everybody was just absolutely wiped by the end of that day. Um, I, a bit. We were all having a good time. Like none of us had played any Magic that day prior to the top four. I mean, there were top eight. There was a lot of hurry up and wait. Oh, but, yeah, just the anticipation. Yeah, we should. Yeah. We're going to talk about that a little bit later because it was kind of funny how it worked out. Um, but, yeah, so uh, you got into the uh, – let's just wrap up the tournament here. We're at the semifinals against the bug deck. And, uh, you know, that just seemed like a little bit of variance catching up more than anything. Yeah, that match was interesting. Um but both my opponents were really nice, and we had, a, we had a great time like talking to each other. It's like some of the chat would be like, "Why are they still shuffling?" It's because we're talking to each other. And this was uh, against Joe. This is against Joe Brennan, who yeah. did end up winning. Um, so his deck has a lot of hate for my deck, but it's not quite constructed in a way that he can super reliably find it all. And I felt that the hands that he had, the way that in his draws, like both games, were the kinds of hands and draws that I need him to have in order to win. Um, and you saw, like, the first game, like, I got to cast a wheel, and I just had nothing in it. I think there was, like, a preordain and a top that was locked down by Oof. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> and I was just like, all right. And, you know, I, I, I even said to him, like, it felt like that was my game to win. Yeah. Um, I think, realistically, a standard deck would have beat his hand that game. Like, he played a Force of Will and a Spell Pierce and, an, like, an Oof, a Tarmogoy from the 
Death Rage Shaman, and that was it. Um, I feel like a lot of decks would struggle against uh, Questing Beast. Zach has actually lost a length of a round of Legacy to a standard deck. Yes, I have. Uh, what was it? Whisperwood Elemental? Yeah. It's very Our hard friend. to daze, daze a Whisperwood Elemental if your opponent has more mana out than than the daze is. Yeah, our friend forgot his deck. Like, brought his wrong, brought the wrong deck. Brought his standard deck by accident. This was like what six, seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally, just I was like, well, I guess I just can't attack with the Tarmogoyf into you anymore. <laughs> you have a two-two yeah. every turn. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I. Uh, and the second, the second game was was pretty uh, was pretty brutal because you got the free shuffle up an assassin's trophy and then like the top was like even worse than it was before i think yeah so i i got like three full looks um and there there was one point where the, the chat was like how did i i uh, so i in my end step and then i topped again in my upkeep and and they lost their minds but what i was i was trying to see if if he might like assassin's trophy me based on how i my like my body language and stuff at the end of at getting that free that free look there just to like force a shuffle yeah. um but he, he didn't do that so i had to like restack them but my first three were like it was like snapcaster mage uh preordained land and the snapcaster mage is is it wins the game but my opponent has a death right shaman that's active and I could have just drawn that and been like, when he, at the end of my turn, when he tries to like drain me or or drain, you know, when he tries to drain me, I can just win the game there, just like draw a bunch of cards. But then I remembered who I was playing against. I mean, I don't know Joe; I'd never heard him before, but I remembered like, this is the guy that let me, like, wheel with Narset and play, like, which I think was an incredible attack. I think that was the correct attack for him to do. So I I respected my opponent a bit and shuffled those cards away. And then the next three were the exact same three cards. I ended up like drawing them that time and trying to like do something with it. Yeah. But I looked at a ton of cards and didn't really find anything that did anything that helped, which was pretty frustrating. Did you have Oko in the second in the postboard game? Yeah, I think I played them both. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Played at least one where. Like we had this weird thing where I wanted to kill his Narset, so he got to kill my my Oka with the L. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah. an Oka and then he with just one. like eight, <laughs> dealt eighteen damage to me with that L. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I remember. <laughs> uh, well, I remember thinking like the second Oka would uh, would win the game if it was on the in the second three cards. Yeah, like I mean, that... he was honestly like kind of surprised to have won that game. Yeah, especially once the snap there's a Snapcaster Bolt. When he like targeted treasure cruise in his graveyard, which was like the right play because it prevented him from Snapcaster stealing it. But he was still kind of like, well, he probably doesn't have Snapcaster, but he was like just playing smart. Yeah, I was dead and, on the uh, on board, so like that was the only thing I could do to not be dead. Like the only other option is like I get PO and draw a bunch of cards and and find the bolt, the other bolt in my deck, and that didn't seem realistic compared to like spinning top again. Yeah, well. It was a it was a great one anyway. I mean, we're so happy for you. And I gotta say, you came. I, I was like, oh, what I was gonna feel after losing that game. It was so long and just like we were all sweaty and just gross by that point on Sunday. And you came out. You're like, that was pretty awesome. Like, you know, making it to top four. And I was really happy that you uh, were so positive in that situation. 
Yeah, so. I, I wasn't hot and sweaty. I was freezing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was like sitting in the like uh, I I played a side event, so I was like huddled in with people, and I'm just warm in general. But yeah, um, but yeah, awesome. Uh, are you looking forward to next year? Like, probably gonna have to defend your top eight. What what I was saying all weekend, everybody was like, we just gotta do better than last year. So next year, <laughs> I gotta get to the finals. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any questions about the tournament you wanted to ask? I mean, for me, it, it's uh, I, what I what I'd like to know uh, beyond beyond like your you know the the play for the tournament was you know just what was the what was it like there like the feeling in the in the room you know eternal weekend not just the tournament itself it, it's interesting because i don't really go to events so i don't have much of a ruler by which to measure um but it, i mean it seemed pretty great like everybody was real nice uh, the there weren't very many people like angle shooting trying to like steal a win by by like abusing the the tournament rules in, yeah. in ways where it's like my opponent wasn't trying to get an advantage but i'm trying to get him dq'd uh i did see i did see one individual when they, they just had a bizarre of baghdad in play and their opponent goes pithing needle and that resolves and they name bizarre and then he calls a judge over to be like what what bizarre are we talking about um, uh, I, won't, yeah. I won't name names right now yeah. i'll tell you guys later <laughs> well, um, um even the judge was like, what, what bizarre do you think he's, he's referring to? Uh, the only other bizarre... Bizarre of Wonders? Wonders. Yeah, that was, that was like the, the, the play. It's a blue um, card? Yeah. I, uh, the, what about the, the, the two and a blue three four? Trade mage. Oh, yeah, bizarre trade, trade mage. mage. Yeah, I think that card cool. is great. I don't know what format it's great in, but it's really powerful. You but and I horrible. believe the same thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll put something together for you next time we play, or maybe which might not be for a while, but anyway. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. It was a little subdued compared to previous Turtle Weekends. Like, it was just kind of quiet. Um, and the events were, like, well attended, but not, like, at their peak, which, you know, was a little unfortunate. Do you attribute that to it being on Halloween weekend? Uh, I kind of do. I mean, I don't know. Like, um, I think there I remember was even things. even you for a second were like, I I can't go because I got to go trick or treating with my children. Well, I did. I just I couldn't go in on Thursday, and I basically just flew in on Friday, and um, you know, just gave up the idea of playing in any trials or anything like that. So you know, that was I, I wasn't not gonna go, but I was definitely like wondering like what I would do if I didn't like get the extra day to play like I usually do. But uh, it turned out to be just fine from an experience standpoint. Um, I just kind of like um, they tried to do like a modern championship as well, and that only had 81 players. There were 310 for vintage and 500 and something for legacy, which is still healthy sized tournaments. Um, but we'll see if they. I, I'm kind of hoping they, you know. Do we have a number year. for uh, for old school as well? Well, old school isn't part of Eternal Weekend. That's right. Yeah. Proper. Yeah. That was Brian. How many people were in that? Brian, what did you enter the old school tournament at, Brian? Um, I got there when they they had just finished pairing the fifth round, five out of the fifth round of, of eight rounds, and so I got the bye, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Uh, but it was actually great because I had a chance to like have a a bunch of alcohol and eat some food. 
Yeah. Um, um, so I think they had two hundred people though. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, and that attribute that probably contributed a lot to Sunday just being kind of an empty day in general. Um, there, but uh, I, I would like to see more like of those kinds of tournaments be at the convention center. Yeah. Um, like, like a, they do a lot. I will, to their credit, they do a lot of grinders. They fire like a serious grinder every 20 minutes, but it's only three rounds and it's really only effectively two rounds because you just draw after two and oh, um, or drop if you're oh and two. Uh, so like, you know, it would be cool to see, to have some more like mid length tournaments over the course of the day. I think that were, are in like legacy or vintage. They had a modern PTQ in addition to the modern champs. I mean, I just feel like those could have both been, like, legacy PTQs or something. Last year, they did kind of do that. Like, starting, like, round four or something, they had, like, a like a long yeah, they did. event. Yeah. And so I think they were trying something different this year. We'll see what they end up doing next year. Yeah, next Hopefully year. they keep doing, doing these tournaments. I mean, they, they seemed like they wanted to – they were hoping to have, like, 600 players in these events because that's, like, what the prize split was, where it was, like, they added more prizing. And that seemed a bit ambitious to me. Because that's like a much larger attendance than previous years. Well, 600 for vintage is a lot. Last year's legacy was over 600. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. feel like you know, combine combine the uh, uh, the date that this was happening on, and it's it's in Pittsburgh, uh, which is good for you guys. You guys, you know, uh, Pittsburgh is is slightly closer than say Philadelphia or somewhere on the East Coast for you guys. But you, you said that you didn't see as many Northeast heads as, as what you normally see at this this thing, right? Yeah, it has nothing to do with it being in Pittsburgh and everything to do with you guys being lazy. We flew in. <laughs> Ryan, what time, what time yeah. was your flight on Thursday, well, Ryan? Well, my flight back literally flew to Philadelphia first, so that's that's kind of right out right there. <laughs> no, I don't like, – Pittsburgh's fine. You guys live in the transit hub. We had to connect. Yeah. And your flight was at 6 a.m. back. Were you on the 5 a.m. flight, too, that woke me up on Thursday? Because I was getting like text messages at five in the morning. To oh, yeah, internet. man, you gotta mute those. You gotta mute those group chats. Oh my god. You yeah, know, I we flew out. We had to be at the airport at like four thirty in the morning. Yeah. Um. I we I had this pipe dream that I'd be able to sleep on the plane, but that's impossible. My head's too heavy. Like I got I got a big big old honker up here. <laughs> Well, I think like Pittsburgh's like a cool city. It was, but it was kind of weird that the sinkhole was there. Like, yeah. Oh like, yeah, yeah. The, uh, That's right. Center. Center. Play pops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I think Pittsburgh's a fine location, and you just gotta kind of have to drive. Yeah. Or I mean, whatever, I, or get a car I, I together, the... or take the one flight. Yeah. It's ninety dollars. Yeah. We play. But, we have to pay for a flight. All I'm saying <laughs> is, if it was in Philadelphia, like, the, the, I probably would have. Gone. If you could ride your bike there, you would have gone. To ninety-eight oh, percent yeah. of the country, those are the same cities. <laughs> I, I realize that. I realize that. And, and honestly, the reason why I didn't go was because of the date, not so much uh, where it was. I would have immediately uh, gone had had I not had other plans. But I think that even with those plans, I would have probably taken a day or two. And I mean, I could have even gone gone up and back uh, and been there on been there on Friday and been there on Sunday. But I had plans on Saturday, so had it been closer to me, I would have gone. I would have gone two out of three days. Yeah. Um, well, I think that I think that's fair. I think that Halloween it does kind of suck that we had the Easter, we had the Easter Grand Prix, and we had the Halloween Eternal Weekend this year. And oh, what's um, next? The the, you know, the yeah. Hanukkah Pro Tour qualifier. You know, like come on. 
Yeah, we have a uh, we have a Grand Prix coming to Austin. It's like right after New Year's, so we'll see how that goes. Um, the Hanukkah Kocho Qualifier is also an eight day event, which is pretty sweet. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, it's like uh, Nate, are you not con. you're not gonna go go back to your uh, old haunt and uh, celebrate uh, J. Brian Anderson's birthday? I don't. I gotta know. I gotta ask him if he's gonna do his. Uh, if he's gonna do his. Um, Part of me wants to wants to be like, let's just do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, Brian in, in Utah, my the owner of the store that that sponsors us, always has a legacy tournament on New Year's Eve because that's his birthday, um, or like the day before you New Year's Eve. So. We'll see if he does it for a third year in a row. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I always have a good time at Eternal Weekend. I I uh, bought a lot of cards from our friend Mike Caffrey uh, because I can't resist like a good deal, and he had like a, a really nice deal on the last day. Um, I played Storm in, in the Legacy event. We'll talk about that for a second. Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> I went one and two in the main event, but I felt really good. And then I, I won three games in a side event that was good enough to get me like the the like, you know, two zero one prize. Like my opponent didn't show up in the first round, and then I two owed the next person, and then I asked the person in the third round to 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 draw, and he said no, let's play. And then I like crushed him. Nice. In the game one, I said, do you want to split? He goes, yeah, but let's finish the round. And uh, then he beat me in like one sideboarded game on the play, and then I was like, "We're just gonna get our prizes now." <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Fate. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I was just like, it was a lot of fun. I had probably the most fun I've had playing Legacy in quite a while, playing Storm, like in paper, and you know, actually able to do something with it. Because last time I played Storm in paper, I did I like just like ran into all these like buzz saws that I could not beat. In this case, it was more just like, um, I think I went, I think I went to three games in my rounds I lost in the main event, just like couldn't find a good window in the third game um, of both of those. Like once was against Infect and I duressed him and he had both the win and a force and a blue card in hand. So like I had to take the win in hopes that I could like draw a thing to, he had like a noble hierarch and a, uh, he had maybe two noble hierarchs and a uh, Glistener Elf in play. When I dressed him and his hand was two invigorates, which would have just won. So I had to take one of the invigorates and hope to draw like another land so that I could thought seize and then dark ritual on the next turn to win. But I didn't it didn't work out. I didn't draw the land. I put the dark ritual in the stack. They thought about it for quite a while and then countered it and then I lost. <laughs> um, like that kind of just thing happened, which was, you know, sort of unfortunate. Um but uh but like yeah, I had a lot of fun playing storm it was it was i just basically like followed what cyrus tells us to do every time he's on the cast and felt really good <laughs> i played See, uh, you were the only one of, of our crew that felt really good playing legacy the rest of us it just felt like moving through mud um, I after playing yeah. a whole day of vintage i mean like legacy is a great format but it should definitely be the one that they have first like yeah. I, I realized really yeah. on saturday because they expect a higher turnout and the vintage players will can afford you know, more, more hotel stay. Uh, but Especially it, it definitely just kind of sucks going from one to the other. Where, where everyone is, uh, you know, has to have real power. So you have to be able to afford it. Yeah. Yeah. Or have friends that are either really laissez faire or trust you a lot. Um, I had a mixture of both there. 
I, I, I do have some thoughts about like the formats in general. Yeah, if you'd like yeah. to hear. Please Let's talk about all it. the hot takes. Let's, so let's... I think I actually think Vintage is pretty healthy. Like Narset obviously needs to be restricted. There's 19 copies among seven decks in the top eight. The card is Dig Through Time with upside. That it's like better than Dig Through Time against like shops and stuff though. Like you can just play it on the second turn after. Yeah forcing their sphere and and get your cards back it sucks to watch games that are set in play too yeah like i mean just the the play pattern of force the first thing you do which is like a creature or or a sphere play narset get my card back get my get the other card back you still have to it like they don't know a chef doesn't have to attack it but like a lot of creature decks still have to attack it at some point so you're gaining life too it's just really toxic and then just there's a lot of non-games that happen because your opponent makes an R set. You can't even just like try to counter it either. Like if you have a draw spell in your hand, you have to just play the draw spell instead because you might just lose the game instantly. That happened to me in the finals. I had a I had recall on Pyroblast and my opponent made an R set. And if I Pyroblast it, I lose the game immediately because he has Force of Will. So I have to just like let him have a NAR set after trying to resolve my recall. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think the format's in a pretty great shape. I'm a little concerned that Shops didn't put up any numbers, but, I mean, you know, Jody Keith got there. I have no idea what, like, the top 32 looks like, so. I played a side event, and, like, I played against, like, uh, the um, Bouncy Land combo deck, and I like that that deck exists. Like, yeah, I think that, all that the deck has decks are super sweet. Yeah, they are, yeah. They can't beat T.O., but I think they're super sweet. And they can crush White Eldrazi, which is what I was playing. <laughs> I think I beat all the kinds of fast bond decks that that exist on my way through the Swiss. I, I ended up playing two in the uh, in the tournament I played at the Mana Drain Open, and I, I the first t- the first one I played against, I didn't even know how it was going to win. Uh, and then he showed me his deck, and I was just like, "Wow, that is you're jumping through hoops." Yeah, it's really interesting. Like I play, I I talked to like a Xerox player, and I'm like, man, their deck kind of sucks. Like I don't, I don't know why they would pick it. And then they have the exact opposite of like, I don't know how I can ever beat that deck. So well, let me tell you how the game, the first game, went against this deck for me. I played I was playing White Eldrazi, and my hand was like a turn one. Like I just had like an embarrassment of riches. I had I had Soul Ring, a Mox, two lands, one of which would have been a Wasteland, and. Uh, and I had two, I had two Glow Riders and a Thalia, so I was like, well, if uh, if my opponent's on a blue deck, I'm in, I'm in great shape. So I went like Mox, Soul Ring, Plains, Glow Rider, and they forced it. And I was like, aha, great, they were on a blue deck. And then their 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 turn went like just like this: Tropical Island, Fast Bond, Lotus, Retreat to Hagra, Simic Growth Chamber, you lose. Their other five cards were like a turn one win. So retreat to Hagra is landfall. Uh, target player loses one life and you gain one life. Oh, so it offsets the so you bounce the Simic Growth Chamber repeatedly and you don't lose any life to Fast Bond because of the because of the landfall trigger. So you just yeah you just win on the spot, and it's pretty crazy <laughs> that that's like an actual deck, but it was sweet. Yeah, they can also uh, kill you with crab. Yeah, the Hedron Crab can kill you. It's it's pretty sweet. But yeah, uh, vintage vintage felt pretty healthy. It looked pretty healthy, um, other than the fact that like just seeing Oko in vintage is kind of like weird considering how much everyone else hates it. But 
you know, I still don't think it's as bad as Darset. Yeah, Oko's, I mean, like, Oko is the meme of the tournament, but Oko does pretty completely fair stuff um, in this format. Like, the fact that, like, I mean, I'm playing it, and, and Brian Koval played it, because it, in, in this deck, and not in every deck, but in this deck, it does Teferi's job a little bit better than Teferi. One of the problems with the play pattern of Teferi is, like, you play it out, and if your opponent is playing, like, a, a Pyroblast deck, or if they're playing like a lightning bolt deck, that like lightning bolt pyroblast deck, you're forced to tick up because you don't want their bolt to kill this thing, and then they just pyroblast it, and then you're you know you haven't gotten anywhere, or you bounce the thing that you care about and then just replay it. So like you have to you end up having to either like play to fairy and then immediately win, which is hard because it costs three mana to like one of which is blue and one of which is white, which is often tapping a tundra, so two blue mana, or you know, you just have to, like, tick up and get no value and then try to bounce it the next turn. Whereas Oko just deals with a problem permanent forever. Like, it's it's an elk now, but the text that you couldn't beat is at least gone. Well, yeah, and because you can, like, turn things around in Vintage so fast, like, giving them an elk isn't as big a problem. Combo deck. Um, what about Legacy? So, when I... I was talking to people that like Legacy that were having a good time about how bad of a time I was having, and I was trying to figure out why, because I'm not usually one to complain about about formats, um, but I I think like my issue with Legacy it, Legacy is it, it's it's like vintage like in vintage has these games where like this is what they were saying they're like vintage has games where it's just they're non games your opponent does a bunch of stuff and you don't get to do anything. And it's very flashy in Vintage, but I think the same thing happens in Legacy. You're dead on the second turn, but you don't die for a while. Like, whereas in Vintage, I feel like you're always live. Like, you could... Even, like, shops can just draw, like, a Ravager and, like, suddenly do something insane. Whereas Legacy, I just felt like if I missed my third land drop, I just lost the game immediately. Or if my opponent played... Honestly, like, I mean, Ren and Six is the, the most obvious example, but, like, True Name is a card that just, like, oh, I don't have the answer for it. I lose. Yeah. I feel yeah. like Legacy's in, a, in a, a position right now where it's not, you're not really playing decks. You're just playing cards, and I don't like the game when I'm playing it's my opponent's cards. The last time Legacy was like that, where I felt that way, um, was when Natural Order for Progenitus was, like, a plan that would just randomly be in people's decks. Like, that bothered me a lot. Like, I'd yeah. be beating them, and they'd be like, hey, here's this three-card package that I have. I think you just don't like Progenitus's. You've got, yeah, I mean, you've got does, True right? Name or Progenitus, right? Yeah, I mean, True Name is a very toxic card. Um, but even that is like has some, some cost to it. Like, Ren and Six is obviously, obviously insane. But I just feel like Legacy has gotten... The, too fast and too powerful, but like not powerful enough that it's fine. Like it Wait, isn't vintage. I definitely still, want to. If you miss a mana in Legacy, you just lose. Yeah, I guess I, guess I just said that that happened to me, didn't it? Um, I think like Legacy, like what happened in my particular prep for Eternal Weekend was that I was like pretty focused on Rug Delver being the best deck and just thinking, like, I'm going to play against a lot of Rug Delver, so I'll just play a thing that doesn't lose to it and, like, you know, see where that takes me. And then once the Oko thing started happening, I was just like, you know, I'm just exhausted by this sort of 
like you said, fair deck sort of arms race slog where it's like, am I, I have to figure out if I'm dead on turn two to like some, you know, rando planeswalker or because I'm not, I know I'm not going to like literally die for another 10 turns, but like, I got, am I actually that dead? And like, do I have a plan that can even come yeah, back from or that? They have a and so I decided to play storm, like you know, counter. which is, yeah. Well, so I mean, like I just decided to play storm instead because I was like, you know, I just forget it. <laughs> like I'm just going to do something where like, you know, I'm going to look at their hand and see if I win. You know, like, which is yeah, not... I wish I had played that, like, mono-white Bomberman deck, like, without ever having gold, like, played it one time. Like, I just wanted to, like, sight on scene, play that deck, because then I think I at least would have had a good time. Oh, yeah. But I also <laughs> didn't need to do well in that event. Yeah. <laughs> we played, you played Grixis Control, or...? I played Grixis Control, like, circa a year ago when it was the best deck. Yeah. And because I was, I was very frustrated with, like, how much rug didn't fit my playstyle. And I was like, all right, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to build Grixis Control. I'm going to put two Angress Rampage in my deck. I'm going to put, like, two answers to 2020s in my deck. And, and I'm just going to play it against Rug and see see how it works. Like, if I just lose, I'll just figure something else out. And I just crushed it. I crushed Rug over and over in testing. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, they could barely win. The only games they could really win were their, like, double Wasteland, double Delver games. Like, uh, if they had, like, turn two Rendon six, turn three Oko, they still lost. Yeah. And then I went to the event and I played against people. Like I thought I was playing control, but they were like, it was like I was Little Zoo and they were Big Zoo. Like they had 10 pet planeswalkers in their deck and oh, like geez. zero disruption for combo decks other than like four force of will. And they just crushed me. Yeah, I remember we were talking about the night before what, like an extra Pyroblast versus an extra Lightning Bolt. We were making like tiny changes on the margins. Yeah. And, uh, like I had my my combo disruption was like two thought seeds, four force of will, three him to Torok, like Coligan's command, a bunch of Snapcaster mages to like bounce that stuff back, and they had like in all of those slots they had like astrolabes and Renin sixes, and it was like how are you ever beating Ant? And there's solutions. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how many people there was an Ant deck in the top eight. Uh, at least there was a second one. I think there was only one. I mean, I think it's 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 a very smart time to be playing Storm, um, because even even uh, like you know, I know Cyrus's uh, opinion for that is that Rug uh, gets crushed by Storm, but I still feel like I at least have game. Um, but... I, I don't think that's true at all. I think he's completely wrong. I mean, obviously it seems to be working for him. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, Storm I I, I can and I played Rug for a long time, and that never felt like. I, I will I mean, say the. the the worst thing that can happen to a storm deck is your opponent has like a like fast clock counter spells and, and <laughs> no, and two different kinds of disruption. Yes. yes. And so rugs disruption is they hit your mana and they hit your, hit you on the stack. Um, my approach with Grixis control is I'm going to cast discards and have counter spells. Um, the best is obviously if you can have like counter spells and permanents or something like yeah. that. Um, but there's not really any decks that do that right now. Not, not since they got out of top. But I feel I, I like will say minus, minus uh, Rug, uh, there aren't a whole lot of decks that really fight Storm uh, well, because people aren't playing uh, Death and Taxes to, like, slam a Thalia and just go, which is, you know, part of your, your mantra of permanence, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, also, because Rug is playing more, like, you know, you're playing Ren and Six, you're playing uh, at least one Oko, and, and a couple larger ca cost spells, you're cutting some of your disruption... So even even uh, Rug is is skimping on that stuff against other fair decks, uh, to to be better against other fair decks, 
and and you know you're losing points against against uh, what like I said I thought was a traditionally okay matchup in, in Storm. So I think Storm's a smart play right now. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly a really where fair I went. assessment, and it is is definitely like a good deck to be playing. That's what that's why I played it. And what actually happened in practice was that I faced Infect in the in the first round, which is basically like a lot of the clock. same rug plan, but it has a much faster clock. And yeah, that, yeah, it yeah. Like, actually came up that that was the case. And then when I played against Rug, they had Stifle. And they didn't have a ton of big mana, I'm assuming, because they had four Stifles. Um, and the only reason, like, I lost that, I lost to Rug in that match because they, I duressed them, they had two Stifles and a Daze or, and a Spell Snare, and they just never tapped out if they didn't have to, if they didn't have to, right? So, like, I couldn't, like, like, I could beat the Daze and I could beat the Spell Snare, but I couldn't beat, like, the two Stifles. Like, I just didn't have enough uh, protection to get around that. Stifle doesn't get beaten by Veil of Summer, which I don't even think I brought in, because I don't think I saw it in the first game. Um, and, like, really, that just was, like, just having that extra interaction. Like, those Stifle slots are probably what goes to, like, your Okos, your Red and Sixes, you know, things like that. And, like, you know, I just couldn't play around all that stuff. Whereas the reason Cyrus often says Rug's a good matchup is because those kinds of cards are being cut in favor of permanents that make you tap all your lands and put something on the board. And then your Storm opponent just knows that, like, you have to be able to beat a Force of Will and play around a Daze, which is not that hard with Storm. Like, Daze I think is not your, your best line against that hand would have been to start your turn with Veil of Summer and just hope your opponent doesn't realize that he can stifle your Storm trigger. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I did have a game where I had to, like, cast Veil of Summer for no value just to get my hand empty for Infernal Tutor and add to one Storm. Wolf. But that was against my third-round opponent who was playing Nick Fit. That was uh, a player who I, I've met a few times, a uh, fellow Magic Dad like myself, and uh, it was very close to being a Nick Fit mirror, I told him. like I was like <laughs> so so close to bringing that like as my deck. It would have been hilarious if it was the Nick Fit mirror. Um, but yeah, uh, Veil of Summer is an awesome card. It just, um, I just, it doesn't stop Stifle anyway. And uh, yeah, I try, I, I, I yeah, like that was the rug, the rug matchup where that was the case. I thought I played really well. Like I tried to bait out the spell snare by casting a naked Cabal Ritual. And they thought about it and then didn't counter it. Um, so I still have to like play around the spell snare and stuff. But you know, not having Cabal Therapy means that you get really hurt by things like they have two of the same card. Like you can't two for one them. Um, you're just trading one for one with a discard. And like if they don't ever have to tap their lands because they got a hex drink during the play, which is what happened. Um, <laughs> you know, what are you gonna do? They just attack you for two every turn, holding up three pieces of interaction. Um, but yeah, Legacy is kind of like muddy and sort of like collapsing under its own weight a bit. A lot of people I, were just kind of like glazed over. I'd really like to see them hit it with some bans. I think yeah. I've been saying Ponder should be banned for like 10 years now or however long it's been out almost. That card is way too powerful for anything that's not vintage and it's restricted in vintage. Yeah. Well, I, we'll I see. think I could I could stand uh, something like that as long as they let me keep Ren and Six. I just want to no, be Ren and Six obviously has to go. I just want to be <laughs> the best deck in the format for like a little bit longer, you know? Like I, I spent so many years under the gun of Deathrite Shaman, just having to like be like, oh well, this is my life. This is my life. It's, I guess 
Everything's terrible for me. I mean, one of the things that sucked about Deathrite Shaman was if you like, I I'm not really a brewer anymore. But I used to brew a lot, and no matter what you brewed, you always ended up converging on a point. You're like, why why don't we just have Deathrite Shaman in this deck? I I don't disagree with you. Once you did that, it turned into like one of the three decks that already existed. I feel like Zach forgets when uh, Thresh was also the best deck in Legacy, which was just what Rugdelver is now with the cards that were good then. I mean, prior to Delver, though, I I think, like, the format... I, I loved the format back then when, when like, I, I played Canadian Threshold, and I also, like, brewed a lot of, like, random blue-white control piles. I thought those games had a lot of play. Even, even like, the, the Wasteland Stifle plan, there was a lot of, like, kind of staring at each other and, and figuring out when you'd be able to find a line to, like, crack your fetch lands and, and, and get going. Um... I just feel like now the power level of everything is so high that there's just no time to really have any play in your games. And that's not to say that it's like always true, but like I, I feel like there's just there's something uh, Kyle Bogomus, um, who's like a pretty good magic player, used to say when he kind of like quit Legacy was that there's a there's a script and there's maybe one or two opportunities to flip the script in a given match, and if you miss those, you lose. Yeah, I think that, like, the fact that Rug is just basically Jun now kind of sucks. Like, it just, it kind of robs the identity that Rug had of that deck where you were yeah, really on the edge and, and really... And you just protect, to protect the queen, yeah. And playing against it was also, like, a different kind of thing, right? Can I, can I, do I, like, play my dual land into what could be a wasteland here because I want to bolt this Delver now? Or do I hold up a fetch land, even though it gives him an extra turn to draw a stifle? Like that was like a that was like a fun game to play, and now and but and the, and the irony is that you could play a deck like Jund that way against Delver, but now Delver is just Jund and Delver is also Delver. So it's like yeah. it's not like you you don't you just lose you just lose decks that had inter- like you just lose interesting matchups like that. And I don't know exactly what the answer is. I think Ren and Six is probably going to be the thing that gets thrown under the bus, which kind of sucks because it's just kind of like, you know, they really took a cut at a really powerful two-mana Planeswalker. But, um... It's a bummer you know, to me because it's it's a card that can be... It's it's like top. It's a card that can be used outside of that deck. Uh, and Deathrite Shaman, by the way. Yeah. Deathrite Shaman was like that. Uh, I mean, Sure. But at the end of the day, I feel like Deathrite Shaman was doing the same thing in every deck, whereas, like, top, uh, you know, for the for the decks that wanted it that weren't Miracles, they were able to use it in, in interesting ways. And I think that's what Renin 6 uh, offers to a lot of decks that aren't Rug Delver, is like, oh, okay, well, I'm resilient against land destruction now, and also I can fix my mana base. Um but I, I, yeah, it's it's kind and of and also wasteland lock my opponent. Yeah, I mean the, the, way, the, the wasteland lock my opponent thing is 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 you know tertiary to those decks as as opposed to where in Rug Delver you're like that is my plan. I'm hoping that it, that 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 is exactly what happens. You know. Yeah. I think there's I think the there are th- there were three major things that happened all within a short time span that kind of didn't not necessarily ruin Legacy but really made it so it was. It just wasn't as good as what it felt like before. And I think you guys all, like, touched on it a bunch. I think, like, isolating the ideas behind what you guys were saying was, like, between TNN and Ren, uh, I think the this last, like, year and a half 
since the first thing that made it, I think made it worse was actually the London Mall. And not that nah, I think man. the London Mall is bad, but I think way back earlier. I, I, yeah, no, I think that the London Mall was the, the thing that kicked it off before these, the, they printed all these like overpowered cards because it started with the London Mall making gameplay super redundant, which was the script idea that you were talking about. And then the cards that they've printed have done two things that are just really unhealthy. And the first part of it is they've exacerbated the, the die roll. So all the cards that have been that have been printed that are really powerful, they're just like if if you're on the if you're playing those cards and you're on the draw, it's just an entirely different power level. And I get that that goes for a lot of cards, but I feel like it's been uh, really highlighted in the last year, at least in my experience playing the format. And then the other uh, aspect of those cards is what uh, Brian was saying. It just removes all of the gameplay. The the it, the replayability of these new game pieces are just boring because the same thing happens over and over and there's no way to maneuver around them. You either can interact with them or they just make it so that interacting with them isn't even a viable option. I agree with a lot of that. I, I would go a step further and say they actually added the Lodge Mulligan to the format in 2009 when they printed Ponder. <laughs> You're going to get Phil. Um, Phil's a big Ponder like, guy. If, like, if you look at Legacy, <laughs> like... And we, you look back at your memories of like when you really loved the format, or even like what, like we've seen the rise of like these middle school pre or modern formats, and I think that's sort of those are people falling out of legacy. It, legacy has no aggro decks. We used to have goblins. We used to have like merfolk and and actual zoo, and all of that's gone. And I think a large reason it's gone is because the power of ponder. Like you don't you don't have turns where your opponent just like doesn't have what they need because they can play this for this ridiculous card. I think I'd well, be think... very upset if if they got rid of brainstorm and with if they got rid of ponder, I'd be like, well, let's figure out what preordain. I guess we'll just play four preordain. Well, one thing that that, that preordain has that I love is that it's a lot faster to resolve than ponder. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so tired of shuffling. Yeah, yeah, that actually hit when people were talking. Why are you so excited about Pioneer? Because I don't have to shuffle every freaking turn. True, um, very true. I think that that Ponder was probably okay in 2009, not having played it. But like, I think that what's happened is is what felt like you know, sort of combining your two points is that as the relative value of a card goes up, the relative power of a cantrip goes up because if you when you were cantripping to look for, for example, Jace the Mind Sculptor, most Mind Sculptor. You are still like that's like a five mana play, you know. But now you could be cantripping to look for Ren and Six or a three mana Planeswalker that does a lot of what Jace does and shuts down what Jace wants to do a lot of time, whether it's Narset or Teferi. Um, like you just like it just that acceleration, that extra turn or that turn that gets taken off of of bomby plays is just like, um, you know, it just makes the can that much more powerful where you're not punished for like taking a turn off because you had to like uh because you were resolving one of these spells you just like you you don't have to take the turn off you just draw the card that you're looking for and play it you know um i think that's that's really um you know the fact that things like that's why delve is like the worst thing that happens to any of eternal format right like this like delve is like meaningless when you're pumping cards in your graveyard and every card you play just adds mana right. to your mana pool you know like it, it, that thing is that that's what causes it even even a card like 
Dreadhorde Arcanist, which I mean, I don't, I know it's not seeing a lot of play now, but I still think is great in Legacy. Like, and it just sort of shows you how powerful like Planeswalkers are. Like Dreadhorde Arcanist is a card you like literally can't let your opponent untap with, and Oko is a card they don't have to untap with, you know. So, I, I mean, it's just. I don't know what they'll do. I don't know what they'll do. I, I feel like they'll do something um, coming up. But you know, yeah, it's just it's just so um, the arms race is not fun right now. Like you yeah, just kind of the like, power level is. It's fine for the power level to be really really high, but it's also just the consistency is kind of absurd. I mean, we used to play twenty three lands in our Stoneblade decks. And yeah, the beginning of the now the control decks play like nineteen lands, twenty lands tops. Yeah, that was the beginning they, of the end. Yeah, when they like realized the aggro decks play 19 lands and four of them are wasteland. Like, that's that's the format. Um, well, let's uh, let's let's we'll wrap up in a minute. Um, I don't want to dwell too much on band discussion, but uh, let's get an old school update brought to you by the epicstorm.com. Uh, I didn't play ah, any old yes. school. I didn't get to play any old school. Brian, you played a couple rounds. I did. My first round, so I, I you know, ended the tournament like 1-4, right? Because I showed up late. Uh, I first, and like they, they didn't think to pair me against like the top tables because like I'm a pretty good magic player and I brought the deck because <laughs> I never got to play it in my life. And I was like, I want to play this, this thing that everybody talks about. Uh, and they, I get paired against this guy who's got like a whole spiel. Like we're we're gonna play like a like a game like we're going on an adventure like it was like very flavorful, and I'm looking at him I'm like man I just want to play magic, uh, and he's like fine we can just play magic and so I crush him in game one I'm like all right tell me I'm ready for the spiel now like tell me the thing, um, like obviously like beat him in the next game like tried not to make it last too long for him. Um, and then like he and I both went up to Jayco and we're like, all right, you, you can't, you can't put this guy with all the people that just brought like their, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I play this card deck? <laughs> yeah. And so they were like, all right, we can't do it. And then like the parents come out and I'm at table three and I'm like, they did it. And I go down there and I sit across from a guy who's playing basically the deck, but he had like four forks in his deck nice. and it was sweet as hell. Like at some <laughs> point I, I, uh. I brain geysered myself for like six and he's like, I'll, I would like to also draw six cards. And I, I let his fork resolve. Quite good, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to red blast a copy. And he's like, you can't, the, it's red because fork ex explicitly says that it's red. And we had, we had the couple <laughs> seconds here where we were like, you know, it might just be blue and red now. We should look up the Oracle text. And I was like, let's not do that. We're playing old school. We'll ask the guys around us and then we'll go with that. So I couldn't counter his thing, and then he drew the red blast for mine, and it was just like, like I got I got pounded pretty hard that game. Um, the game after that, he just like he cast a fireball and forked it, and I tried to counter it, and then he like forked my counter. Nice. I took, oh like, my a, God. I took like how many red how many red sources did he? Have oh, I mean, play? this is like turn seven thousand, right? Yeah, like, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> That's I how the like, deck works. Like, you like, yeah. I, I was so gonna late. kill him the next turn. Like, I literally set up lethal by brain geysering him. Nice. Uh, so that's how far we were in, into the game after after casting the card recall, like not ancestral recall, but like recall to get like a mana drain and a black lotus and a brain geyser for like for lethal, and he just like dealt like 20 damage to me uh and so that was sweet that was sweet and then the next round i think i was playing against some sort of the deck variant again 
and at some point I'd stacked my hand like so it was like the best hand ever like I had like mana drain and like a counter spell like both blast and and like all like some win conditions and I was I was just gonna like start killing him like I basically had him locked out of the game like I had books and sticks if anyone doesn't know what books are it's jam day tome you like pay four and tap and to draw a card and sticks are like you pay three and tap it and they discard a card Interrupted so he had no cards and I had like you know a million man and a bunch of cards and he draws wheel of fortune and I'm tapped out and there's no force of will and I just discard literally every win condition in my deck and I'm like ah, I can't beat you how <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. many cards in your deck Jeez. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune is such an awesome card. I thought about splashing Demonic Tutor into my, like, green-red aggro deck in Old School just to Demonic Tutor for Wheel of Fortune. Um, but uh, but instead I bought a bunch of, of cards to play, like, a black-red disc deck or something at the uh, at the tournament. Looks like you can play uh, Land's Edge. I had to get Land's Edges, but the yeah. The problem I with bought... Land's Edge is if you play it against a lot of the decks in the format, they'll kill you with it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. gotta like do it that turn. You just gotta be like, okay, winds of change, you know, uh, wheel, drop all my stuff, winds of change, or wheel, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could look up what winds of change does. It's 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 a wheel, but uh, it it uh, shuffles everything back in, I think, and uh, it, and you, it, you draw the same amount. Yeah, you draw the same amount. Okay. This uh, is an incredible. It is good with land tax though, because you just shuffle your lands back in. Yeah, and draw. I play this card. It's sweet. Yeah, it's in the Dreams combo deck, man. There's a fifth edition. Oh, no, you can't play the fifth edition, Frank. No, nah, no. You got to get you your... Uh, edition, I guess this is a Legends card, right? Yeah, it's a Legends card. The Legends version is $17. So, so just get an Italian Legends version. It's never going to be version. cheaper than it is now, boys. Get the Italian Legends well, version. You're good. Yeah, the fourth edition printing is only 7 bucks. Oh, that's not so bad. Oh, it's I like 7 bucks. Yeah, my... Jeez. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Most fourth edition printings are like $0.08. Cents. Yeah, yeah I'm actually it's, kind of it's Winds of Change and uh, Sylvan Library are the expensive cards from Fourth Edition. I did not know that this card existed. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's this is my this is the the content we're talking about right now is the content that I tune in for. <laughs> I'm like, let I me mean, go back real, and listen to my own podcast. Underworld Dreams, them, but that card is like seven million dollars. Underworld Dreams? No, no. Yeah. Underworld Dreams is is uh, probably like a thirty dollar card. Well, you have $1,200 in Card Titan credit, Brian. Yeah, get in there. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about that I've learned about Card Titan is that they have two great features. One, when you search for a card, you get seven pages of cards no matter what you search for. And two, they don't have the card you want, but they have it in foil. <laughs> Underworld Dreams <laughs> like is over uh, five cards. $61 Legends regular, so not not the worst. Is that the only printing with that art? It certainly is. It is. It is. It, it's been printed uh, in, into oblivion, though. It's been pr printed like 20 times. It's in the next set. Is it? Did you know that? <laughs> it was in the leak for the next set. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, I was gonna do. I was gonna do a take quake, but we'll uh, we'll probably just call it there. That was a good. That was a good show. I, I mean, I'm I'm not. I got nowhere to go. I have a take. I you, I try to keep this thing to like an hour, but um, I was just really irritated. I got like uh, salty about um, the uh, Mark Rosewater like hyping the legendary squirrel from Unsanctioned, which comes out next year, while like every format's a dumpster fire. Yes. <laughs> like 
Yeah. Like, Mark Rosewater's sense of humor has been completely detrimental to magic the whole time. Well, like, people were saying like, oh, you're being petty. You're being petty. I'm like, no, like I'm the I'm like really easygoing, especially about magic. I don't take it super seriously. This isn't about like I don't I don't think, you know, unsets are yeah, I don't think unsets are great. I don't really care about them, but like I don't care if you like them. But it just kind of sucks that like you know that those were all being developed, that the unset was being developed at the same time that they were like developing all these other all these other sets that like yeah have i mean there's definitely sets. no way they ever anyone ever played oko like it like i understand that they could never like test all the interactions but they probably tested oko and my opponent has a creature yeah it was like that's what i was thinking like here, here the thing was like you 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 like setting like wizards of the coast offices like play design comes in hey hey mr rosewater we think that making this a plus one might be too good and he's sitting there like well you know what just you know, do whatever you think. I'm just thinking of names for my legendary squirrel. Right. Like I'm imagining like that happening. Put on cards. Yeah. I like, did a, I, I did a, you know, I, I did a flavor text review on our, our website, the romancing the stones website, stonesmtg.com, uh, of, of modern horizons. And my main takeaway was, was that like I had 20 cards that were the 20 worst and 10 that were the 10 best. And I was I got, like, we got to know. know, we got to know at least, at least the, the very worst and the very best. Okay. okay. The, oh man. I'm looking it up. Hold on. Give me I'll 30 seconds. <laughs> Labor review. Modern Horizons by Brian Hockey. All right. We'll so, put the link so in the, the show best notes. One, the second best was Astrolab. I think that card is great flavor text. And the best one is, is King of the Pride. Cause it's, uh, it, it's a, a chapter of the love song of night and day, which came out in like, I want to say like Mirage or Visions. Yep, Mirage. Yep. Um, which is definitely one of the definitely a, yeah. a solid choice. A like song of night and day makes me uh, miss you this day. Yeah, I mean, if you look at like the flavor of these sets now, and then you look at the flavor of the sets back then, it's it's it is literally night and day. Oh man. Um, uh, so the worst one, the worst one, and this might be the worst one in the game's history, is Thundering Jin. <laughs> oh it's, man. Uh, this is a, a five mana three four flyer, and when it attacks, it deals damage to a target equals the number of cards you've drawn this turn. The flavor text is it strikes like a bolt from a brainstorm. It's it, yeah, a, a little too on the nose. Too on the nose, yeah. It doesn't even it's make no, sense, though. It's no Chub Toad. Chub Toad's not bad. I mean, I would expect the Chub Toad to be the first one. Is Jace. Is Jace feigned interest? That one's really bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, like the 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 theme of like counter spells having like a thing that tases you on them is like it's. I, I I'm not a fan, but like I at least I get it. I think it's just sort of like really lazy. Um, there's a couple counter spells that have incredible flavor text that like ask you to kind of like think about what you're even doing right now. Um, like there's, there's, there's stuff about like, you know, there's one that's like the, the, the problem with any plan is the assumption that your opponent, that you know, more than your, your enemy, which is like, wow, that's a really good, I good thing there. But like, I don't know the, the flavor text on like days. It's pretty bad. If I remember spell snuff is the flavor text is just good night. <laughs> you would probably hate my favorite. Uh, I don't think days has flavor text. Days doesn't have flavor text. There's too much. It's got it. Too many words. I was looking to see if one of them. No, uh, my favorite flavor text is on curfew. Do you know it, Brian? I don't. But I'm not tired. 
Yeah, it's, that's pretty yeah. bad. Like the problem, <laughs> the problem with putting a joke on a magic card is is imagine if you know you and I worked at the same office and every day I told you the same joke. Yeah. <laughs> my my personal favorite is uh, Sky Shroud Elite because I was like a psychotically militant punk punk kid when I was like 18. And that is, uh, civilization is a conspiracy for the mutilation of nature. See, like, that's great. Kind of like, you're like, oh, wow, who are these Sky Shroud guys? Like, I want to see what the rest of their cards say. Like, it makes you look, like, wonder, it makes it feel like there's a world beyond this card. Yeah. Whereas their approach to flavor text now is, like, if it's a, this is what the a thing does. that does two damage, like a damage to each, to, like, you can, you know, you can flash it back, and it's like, there's more where that came from. Like it's just whatever it says. What the card already does. <laughs> it says it says like deuces. That's literally the text of Firebolt. I, I didn't I didn't read it from the board the thing just now. I just I literally said it. Uh, the old flavor text for Firebolt is reach out and torch someone, which is among the worst flavor text in the entire game. Bill, Bill, what's your favorite flavor text? Do you have one? We lose Phil. Phil is asleep. No, sorry, I just cut it and you guys, like, I lost, my connection was just really shoddy, so you guys pickled for a little bit. Pickled? Potatoed? Some other vegetable? Um, favorite flavor text? Yeah. Uh, I definitely do. Hold, give me a second and I'll recall what it is. My 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 favorite serious flavor text while Phil's thinking is Wasteland. The land, land promises nothing and keeps its promise. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I really like Kiss of the Amisha. I'm not going to read it because it's like a paragraph, but it, it like tells you a lot about the world and, and a card that you'd otherwise not really care about at yeah. all. Um, Uthan Troll is oh. a classic. It's, yeah. it's, this one's less of a, a long-standing one, but it definitely gave me the feels. It's the first time where their story actually connected, and it was when they printed the uh, Gideon Spellbook Rest in Peace. So, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you got to know, the, like, what happened in War of the Spark and the story and Gideon sacrificing himself. But, like, that art with that flavor text, which is, I will keep watch. Yeah, the, yeah the art really I, I found the entire Gatewatch thing to just be, like, just terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so. the, Gatewatch, the Gatewatch idea as a whole, just being uh, Justice League, is kind of boring. But that was the, like... I remember seeing that flavor text with that artwork after just seeing the story of a character like Gideon paying, getting paid off doing what, like, I feel like they, they did Gideon correctly, which doesn't always happen with a lot of their characters. And I thought they yeah. paid it off. From that. So I remember that flavor text going, I remember going, mm, that's, that's some good, that's some good flavor. Yeah. That really, that really did like sting original rest in peace though. Some corpses the Golgari cannot claim. Some souls the Orzhov cannot shackle. Yeah. That's the original one. Um, my favorite Tell verse of... What's going on in this world? My I favorite verse... Who even said that? Gideon did. He's I mean, obvious, it's obvious that he has this giant statue and he's like holding his hand. Um, my favorite verse in the love song of Night and Day is on Unfulfilled Desires. Yes. So, yeah. That one, that one actually also really works with the art. We're probably right. I like the, your list I like the irony of uh, long-term plans as flavor text. I remember that one. Uh, long-term plans is a three-mana instant that says search your library for card, shuffle it, and then put that card that you selected third from the top. And the flavor text, which 
kind of crosses over with Brian said where it's kind of it just does what it says it is, but it says wait it'll come to me in a minute. Well, yeah, it's, it's I mean that that's an actually <laughs> funny joke, like which is pretty rare for them. But even then, it's like, how, you know, if you're playing that in your deck, you're gonna see it all the time. Yeah, that's 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 like the 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 reason that I remember that card is I remember it's a very good just ABC setup. It's like A, the name is long term plans. B, oh, this makes sense for that name, what it yeah. does, and then C, punchline. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's uh, it's well set up. I mean, I, I remember I, it. I give that one a pass. I will say this about yeah the, the thing about the unsets like it's like you know you know, let people like you know it's like let people enjoy things like I'm happy to let you enjoy things it's not really the point it's more like you don't need to like the unsets like hit you over the head with every joke has anyone and, ever and played not, an unset they're horrible it's a terrible yeah. experience it's not a fun experience I had like, to play F and M when the when the first unset was a thing and you had to actually play uh 20 un unset cards in your deck unglued yeah i mean like the point of the point i was going to make is that like you can still have funny cards and, and comic relief in the actual game like oko is a funny card yeah like it's funny because it's not like funny not funny like haha right now but because of because of the uh you know sort of uh controversy but like like you got this like weird imp with like his shirt off and his like thing he does is make food like that's that's funny that's like comic relief you know but not like you know each player wearing black shoes loses the game and what like whatever's gonna be in an unset like just like we don't need it that's what the, the thing that bugs me about the unsets is mostly like they're really bad like they're bad uses of cardboard you know <laughs> like it, it is yeah, a the, limited the cardboard shortage of 2017 is really just <laughs> Like, like I mean, acres of the Amazon. There's one being... unset card that I thought was really funny. I don't know the name of it, <clears throat> but the text—it's just like a creature, and the text on it is super haste. Oh yeah, it's always it's attacking. Just... Like once you figure out what it does, it's not that funny. But like the first time you read super haste, you're like, all right. And like Ixalan with all the dinosaurs, like that was funny. You know, like you could you could chuckle. There's uh... a card called "Didn't Say Please" in Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, like, I just I don't funny. I don't need this game to be funny, right? Like not just because humor is good doesn't mean you have to put it in your game. I just you don't know, think I just think it's like I couldn't like I don't think not any of us anticipated like how many things we were gonna get this year. Like it's just been like card after card after card after set after set after set, and even for the eternal formats, things are getting shaken up every time. And it's like there's a commander set coming out that's like got a bunch of new cards in it, like more than usual, right? Yeah, seventy something cards. Like that's more new cards than usual. That's a like, whole, that's that's like almost a set of of like uh like a reprint set of of cards for like a mo you know like a modern. Uh, yeah. Right, and it's like they, they they're while they're doing all that they were also like making an un like an unset like three years of the last unset even though like we were all fine with like ten years between unsets. Just like it, a lot. it really looks ridiculous that they're doing all that at the, at the same time as they're making Oko, and and Moto still doesn't work. Um, and and I made Arena a still account. doesn't work. Arena, Arena, Arena works. There's a whole a whole part of the game that is basically like, oh well, uh, if standard sucks, oh well, here's here's a very bad <laughs> digital product. I, you I can made play a Brawl on it. I skipped my turn on accident like four times. <laughs> I still don't really know why that happened. Yeah. 
Well, that's. I think that's probably enough. Yeah, that's probably that. enough. Yeah. Uh, probably Nate, enough. do we have okay. any? Uh, do we have any new uh, patrons this this week? Uh, we unfortunately do not, but do you can not. find us that's... at Patreon.com/TurtleJurtles. Uh, and Brian, we can find you uh, writing for StonesMTG.com. And I don't know if you uh, use social yeah. media. Yeah, I have like zero social media accounts to plug, so that'll have to be it. Fair right. enough. Well, thanks well, for listening was... this week, everybody. I have one more flavor text, which sums up every time I brew a deck and it fails. Okay. I'll I'll let Nate do the reading because you have, you have good dramatic reads. Uh, look up the fifth dawn door to nothingness flavor text. Do we even need to? Like you've kind of, the premise is funnier than whatever the, the punch. <laughs> <out. laughs> All memory of your existence will be wiped from reality. You will die, and no one will mourn. That's I feel every time a deck fails. That's actually pretty good uh, hatred adjacent flavor text. Anyway, have a good week, everyone. Have a good one. Can you see any more stuff? It's how we go. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, any more stuff. Can you see any more stuff? It's how we go. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys?